Welcome to Quality Shot Football and the third edition of the podcast. We have a full house. We've got myself, Ash and Suf, who have been on before, but also Josh as well. Now, you might find his voice pretty familiar, considering that he does commentary for the BBC and Talk Sports. So uh, if you do, you might be thinking, oh, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty sure that's a familiar voice. So I've got him on as well, uh, which will be fantastic to get his opinions on, of course, everything football. Um, Ash and myself, of course, Chelsea supporters, South Liverpool and uh, Josh, Manchester United. So that will be uh, it'll be a fun, fun podcast, I'm sure. Uh, so we're going to talk about an array of topics as always. But yeah, Champions League semi-finals, uh, previewing those is, I guess, one of the biggest topics uh, coming up in the, the next, well, not less than a week now as well. So just a few days. And then, of course, we'll round up some of the Premier League action, FA Cup as well, uh, semi-finals just uh, happened as well only a couple of days ago and you know not too long ago Manchester United just announcing Ten Hag as their permanent manager so we can get into that and maybe some other bits and bobs as well before we do um, Ash, Saf, Josh all okay all good? Yeah well thanks well doing well thanks for that yeah, of course, Suss doing well. Smug look on his face. He's like, <laughs> the quadruples on. <laughs> exactly. There's still a chance there. Still a chance exactly. there. Exactly. Still a chance. Exactly. Crazy. Um, I guess, first of all, then, let, let's... I think the Champions League semi-final preview we can do We can do last, and that'll be a meaty one as well. But uh, let, let's get into some of the results. So, I think, first of all, I, I can start off with Chelsea. Get that out of the way. Just, you know, whatever. But, yeah, so, f- you know, for us... FA Cup, uh, beats Crystal Palace, solid result. Of course, we'll face the uh, old nemesis Liverpool after losing to them in, on penalties in the League Cup earlier in the year. I think it's the first time for quite a long time that uh, the same two teams have played in both Cup finals. So uh, that's quite an interesting one. And Liverpool and Chelsea, uh, I mean, they've met a lot of times, uh, but we seem to have slight upper hand in FA Cup finals and we just tend to perform pretty well in FA Cup finals. I'm hoping that we do the same, but given how Liverpool are playing at the moment, you just never know. Um, but then we just thought, okay, well, we'll just gift Arsenal a win after they're chasing uh, top four. So very, very contrasting results and uh, obviously getting smashed by Brentford, then almost get, getting there to Real Madrid. So it's been a roller coaster couple of weeks for Chelsea, but I'm happy we made their pick up final at least. Ash, were you happy with their performance against Palace and then also... I mean, Arsenal is a bit of a disappointing one, but I guess with we've already secured top fours. It's not too much of an issue, is it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those performances you you sometimes get at the end of the season um, when kind of injuries have caught up um, and there are other things on the plate, notably for us with with the FA Cup. And I think um, Tuchel's team selection showed that it was a real mismatch sort of a team um which is i mean still capable of being arsenal but um yeah it was really not really not a good performance conceding four at home again um to a a very weak arsenal team in my opinion um it is is really not good um but i i mean at the end of the day i think i think we are in a, still in a good position to get top four and um, got the job done against Palace, which was which was important. I mean, in the in those sorts of matches, I don't think we played particularly well, but 
at the end of the day, you just got to make it to the final. Um, and we did that. So um, a, a strange week, but um, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really read too much, too much into it. Yeah. It's funny because at one point it was like, Oh, we're in three competitions, something could happen, but now we've just got the FA Cup. So hopefully we get some type of silver. It's going to look like a pretty poor season overall, uh, given Chelsea standards, I guess, recently. But yeah, um, it's also one of the easiest runs, I think, ever, the FA Cup run that Chelsea have had. Mm. I don't think we faced anyone really of kind of great standard, to be perfectly honest with you. So um, thanks, Middlesbrough, for knocking out uh, yeah. Some notable opponents in, I think it is Tottenham and Manchester United. So thank you for that, uh, Middlesbrough. Um, and then I guess other results. Um, I guess we can get on to it then. So Manchester United, <laughs> Liverpool. Uh, <laughs> the 9-0 aggregate. And uh, I was watching it and I was thinking, oh my God, this is absolute carnage going on at the moment. Um, I mean, it just looked like, I think Mo Salah actually said after that, it was almost like it was, he didn't say it was too easy, but he just said they almost were gifting us the goals. Like it was just, you know, it was comfortable almost in the end. And it was just, I just couldn't believe it to be perfectly honest with you. I know Liverpool at home, but it was just, it was crazy. Um, Josh, I know, I'm sure you've got a lot to talk about on it. So before we get on to it, stuff from a Liverpool point of view, um, how happy were you with it? Or was it just like you're flogging a dead horse at this point because uh, the gap's so big, it seems, between the two teams? And then also, are you ready to... Uh, how hyped are you? Uh, for, and how realistic do you think it is for you guys to start getting the quadruple? Because Man City, to be fair, they did the business. They're still in front, right? So, um, But the other three... Well, you've got one in the bag, two other competitions to go. How are you feeling? <laughs> um... Good questions. Um, with regards to the United game, I think there was there were some positive moments to take out of that. I, I think mainly around how how well the team played. I think Thiago was exceptional, um, and 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 is, is sort of over the last three months has really started to show what you know the reason why why he was bought to Anfield, um, and just more so Mane in the number nine role. Um, that was something that was interesting to see, particularly when when Diaz came in and him sort of shifting it, shifting to that number nine role, which typically has been given to either Firmino or Jota. Um, but him doing such a great job in it, um, it, it just was really pleasing to see it. You know that level of performance at this time of the season. You could argue that ahead of that United game, we'd kind of just gone through games, grind you know ground out results. Um, two ones here, one nils there, just getting the job done, but not playing to the standard that we would expect or, or, or we've come to expect of Liverpool, uh, particularly under Klopp. So getting a result like that, I think, was 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 great to see. Um, I think back to the Benfica games in the Champions League, we did well away from home. Then they came to Anfield and it was just like, mm, what's going on here? You know, we're getting through, but we're just not playing the way we, we, we normally do. Um, so that that was the positive I took out of the game, but but in all honesty, I think United are just in a in a really really bad place at the moment. So it's not a result that you walk away thinking, oh, that's an exceptional performance against a top quality you know opponent. Um, we've known for a while United have had have had challenges, have had issues. The dressing room that looks like there's issues there, 
everyone knows it's an interim manager. Some players, you know, their heads are out the door. So um, positives to take, but at the same time, not not trying to not trying to get too excited about it. Um, with regards to the to the quadruple, um, you know, I'll, I'll 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 just go with the with the standard Liverpool line, which is we take each game as it comes. <laughs> um, uh, I'd be lying if I said I didn't think about it. Um, but it's just it's such a huge challenge um, to win all four uh, all, all four trophies. You're playing Chelsea in the FA Cup final, a team with which over the last two decades has had a lot of success in that competition, um, and will definitely be out there for revenge, given what happened in the Carabao Cup final. You know they they want to you know prove prove that they you know and get some silverware, prove prove that that result will you know that that game could have gone either way, um, and then. The Champions League, I think some Liverpool fans are, are taking Villarreal a little too lightly. You know, just kind of thinking, oh, we'll get to the final. But Villarreal are a very, very well-drilled side. I watched the game against Bayern, um, the second leg, and I've seen a couple of their performances in La Liga this season, uh, particularly a game that they played against Atletico Madrid. And they're they're a really well-drilled side. Um, and they will, having gotten this far, they will give it everything. Um, it's 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 going to be a tough game. Um, on paper, you could argue Liverpool have have the better squad and have you know players that you know that you know that are world class that should win you games. But it's a Champions League; anything can happen. Um, no one, no, you know, I, I I didn't expect them to be fine, but they, but they did an exceptional job there and, and got through. So um, the Champions League is not going to be easy. Um, and then the Premier League. I, it breaks my heart to say, it, but I, I just think you know. I, I think I think City will will just win the majority of their games. They'll win all their games, and and, and I, I just see them beating us by a point, um, which will be heartbreaking. So hopefully we can do something in the in one of the other cups, um, either win the FA Cup or maybe, maybe go for the Champions League, walk out of the season with two, maybe three trophies. That would be that would be success. That would you know that would be a really successful season. Um, if we win the league, great, but. I think the quadruple is a big ask. Yeah, it would be a big ask to be fair, but it's uh, yeah, the Thiago point is really interesting. I think from a like technical aspect, from from what I've seen, it's just, I mean, it's what he's always had at Barcelona and Bayern, but he takes players out of the game with his passing, right? The quick passes in midfield, and then it opens up space. And I, yeah, like, as you said, Manchester United are not you know at the top level, but you just saw massive gaps opening up because he just plays the ball so quickly in midfield. Uh, manages to move it uh, so effectively. And I think it was incredible I think looking at his stats. I think he was like 96% passing accuracy for the game. Uh, just barely loses the ball. Uh, accuracy is phenomenal and just has a fantastic range of passing as well. So great to see uh, someone of his quality like really shining and I guess showing exactly what he's about, which is great. Um, yeah, and quickly on, on the Villarreal thing, I know we'll touch upon it more a bit later in the pod, but uh, it's really interesting. They're subsidising as well all the tickets at home um, for all the supporters for the Champions League game and also away, which is great to see. So I really, really respect that. Um, and not many clubs will do that. Most clubs will kind of cash in and just say, yeah, let's get all the money we can from it. So kudos to them. Uh, Josh, <laughs> over to you, Manchester United. Um, where, where, to, where to begin? Yeah. <laughs> Were you surprised by the result? I guess is the first thing. No, I think the most damning thing for United fans this week was when you play Liverpool, there's a special feeling when you play Liverpool that you can't compare. 
you know, there's a it's a unique game. It's the biggest rivalry. I think even the introduction of cities emphasised how much we, despite Liverpool, I don't think it needs to be said. Um, I think so. Full agree also, but I think this week was the first time I went there with no expectations, no butterflies, no nerves. Even we've been on top. You always go to Anfield or you host Liverpool. You know you're in for a game, and um, you, after the Etihad performance last month. I didn't expect the team to to give up again against a bigger rival. Um, and boy, did they do that on, on Tuesday. And yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's sad to see. I think that's the most disappointing thing is you, see, you look at teams like Norwich and Watford, they go to Anfield. In recent weeks, Norwich took the lead there. You know, we've got better players than those, those in the bottom three. And we shouldn't be going to Anfield expecting to lose four or three. Yeah, we've had a bad season. But you spoke to any United fan with, with, with sense, they would have told you that we were not going to win that football game and we're lucky to get a draw. I don't know where the goals are coming. I don't know how we're going to keep Liverpool out. And um, it's correct. Liverpool have been you know, grinding results out week in, week out. Um, and that's one of the better performances um, of the night. Thiago is outstanding. Mane was sensational. Salah hasn't scored in how many games and he, he picks a goal up. There was, there was a time when Salah never used to score past Man United and all of a sudden now he's getting goals galore. Um, but from our perspective, we we wanted the season to end for quite a while. Um, it's kind of a, it's kind of like a freshened tour. We've got you guys next week, and maybe you'll beat us and get some confidence from that in terms of Chelsea next Thursday. But yeah, this season is is, is done for us. And it, it, Arsenal Spurs keep losing games, so it looks like we're in a battle for top four. We're never in a battle for top four, you know. Our season really ended when we went out to Atletico Madrid in, in the Champions League. The players have not taken to Radnik for for one reason or not. Um, but it's disappointing. I think what's really low is you don't feel any emotion after that game. You know, you just, I'm sure you guys yesterday were annoyed at Chelsea's defeat to Arsenal because you shouldn't be losing to Arsenal. You know, you're, you're annoyed. With us, it's kind of, oh, well, they're better than us. They're, they're bigger than us. They're, 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 they've got their setup of their managers and owners and we're just the mess that we know we are. And it's, it's a reality check that I think we, we know. And in terms of the game, yeah, we, we look bright for what, five minutes in the second half. Um, but that's what they can do. They open us up. And the third goal puts the game away. So, yeah, very disappointing. But <laughs> to be honest, we struggled against Norwich. So we were playing against a team that are going for four trophies, are pushing a very good Manchester City team to win in the league. You can only expect us to, to falter. Well, I don't expect us to do that, but that's where we are at the moment, unfortunately. So, yeah, I think 4-0 doesn't flatter us and uh, it's disappointing. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> it's really interesting, isn't it? Because obviously they've... I guess no Ronaldo didn't help, but in saying that, I don't know how much uh, his impact would have affected the result. Obviously, uh, really sad to hear about, obviously, the kind of death of uh, one of his newborn children as well, uh, one of the twins. But yeah, really good gesture as well from Liverpool. I think it was the one minute silence or clap or applause, sorry, even at the seven seven minute mark, which was which is great. One of the Liverpool supporters even was holding a Ronaldo shirt, which is, uh, would never see that guy, I don't think. So uh, great to see. But yeah, I mean, how much blame do you think, and is it fair, Josh, there's been a lot of blame mm. based on Harry Maguire specifically. Uh, is it uh, is that warranted? Is it fair? Or is he just being scapegoated? And actually, it's, I think we can all agree it's, it's a collective issue, but uh, should there be so much emphasis on, on him specifically? And is it just because he's the captain and defensively they've just been so poor? Yeah, I think at times he doesn't help himself. I think before the game, he had an interview with Sky and he said, you know, I've been picked by both managers that have been here this year. 
I can't think of a player who's performed in the United shirt this year. Maybe De Gea, possibly Fred. Maguire's been poor. And if you're captain of Man United and you're not performing, he shouldn't be coming out making these interviews and making these statements. I don't. I, I think the criticism that he gets and Paul Pogba gets kind of from the same 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 kind of brush where um, he he wasn't worth 80 million and that was a, an error from the club to spend that money. So it was always going to be difficult for him to, you know, live up to the heights of, say, someone like Virgil van Dijk, who went for 75 million. They're in a different world in terms of their, their abilities. But I don't think he's a poor defender. I think it's OTT. But the reason I compare him to Paul Pogba is because a lot of United fans look at Harry Maguire as, why is he our captain? He's rubbish. Why is he bought? He's a symbol of kind of the decline. Then there's another section of United fans who just think Paul Popper's overrated, he's never performed, he's overpaid, he's an 89 million flop. So I think them two are quite easy, easy targets. But at times, I think they've performed in their times at United. I don't think they've been hit their heights. I don't think they've been their best. We've seen them perform better for their national sides in England and France. But they're easy targets. You know, yeah, he stepped up for the first goal, but there's a lot of defensive issues there. There's a lot of the setups poor, you know. Someone like Bruno Fernandes gives the ball away every minute. He gets the ball and he hammers it, you know. So I think it's just easy for also, not necessarily rival fans, but you know, outside people outside the club to, to look at it. But we, we saw today reports of um, a, a bomb scare or uh, someone sent him an email uh, that there was a yeah, bomb potentially planted at his house. It's good there was nothing found. It's just a bit OT. Honestly, the club needs the season to end. Um, and for you know, this new manager to come in and make his judgment on certain players to stay or go, I never really agreed with him being captain. I don't think he's conducted himself well, but I do also feel he's, you know, he, he is targeted and he, he could have a good game. For example, Norwich is excellent, but no one says nothing. Do you know? And he, he goes to Anfield, you're playing a very good, you know, Diaz, Mane, Salah. These are these are players that a week ago, not only twice, twice in a week, destroyed, you know, Manchester City defenders who are apparently the best in there. Not apparently, but they are. If you look at the Premier League table. So you've got to look at your position. You've got to look at game by game, but Maguire has struggled this season and, yeah, the criticism is definitely justified. Yeah, no, agreed, agreed. It's interesting you said about Bruno Fernandes because he was, like, kind of the second coming, wasn't he, uh, about a year ago? Like, he was banging goals and, and assisted yeah. at the centre, but... Yeah, I mean, everybody's dropped, everybody's dropped off in the last year. I think it was, when it was kind of lockdown football and he came in and we had a really good run, I think, on Dolly, that was probably our best time. He was sort of the saviour. But when Paul Bobber came, I think the lack of, I think you've talked to any United fan, the lack of signing a defensive midfielder really, really hurt us because Bruno, he 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 loves to risk. He loves the risk. He loves to throw a ball forward. And sometimes it pulls off and it's great. But if it doesn't, you have a turnover position. And when you haven't got that defensive midfielder to secure a already failing defence, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cause you problems. But yeah, He's he's an example of most players that come to United. You start well for a couple of months, couple of weeks, and then soon you fall into a pattern and you're struggling, and it all eats you up. Yeah, no, very well said. This is all very dour as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's the times of the times at the moment. You know, it's uh, you get used to it. Yeah, you get used to it. it's it is crazy though. I mean, it's interesting because. I guess Manchester United and, you know, I know Gary Neville says it all the time, but uh, they are, you know, you just think about how big a club they are. And of course, there's like, you know, he'll say there's failures left, right and centre, etc. And obviously Ragnick came in and everyone's always going to sort it out. And obviously you had Mourinho and then Oli and, you know, all these managers have come in and come and gone really. And it hasn't, mm. nothing's, re- I don't feel like 
Manchester United are anywhere better off since like Ferguson left. I mean, they're worse off, right? I mean, every <laughs> single manager's come in. There's been peaks and troughs at times, but it's, I just feel like it's never really had... Well, you just haven't had any stability, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, it's always going to be difficult to replace someone who's been at a club for 27 years yeah. and be so successful as well, you know? I think... The first, maybe the first appointment wasn't the right appointment, David Moyes. Maybe him coming in and, you know, sacking his backroom staff. We can look at the next ten, last 10 years in hindsight and say, this was wrong, this was yeah. not right. But I do think you're correct. It has not been stable. At times, it's been okay. Like you're saying, you know, Van Gaal hit some heights. Solskjaer definitely steadied the shift. I think Mourinho is probably the worst out of the lot in terms of the damage he did to the club and in terms of the morale of the players. And that was something that was united the fans. But you look at Liverpool. They, they, it took them 30 years to get to that to that place where they are now. And we're talking about quadruples, we're talking about, you know, champagne football. Um, so if, I know would will be around at a time where they, they were struggling to, to even finish top four. So I think it, it, it ebbs and flows. Um, the, pro- the problem for United is that you want to have that st- stability. Um, you want to have that, you know, a couple of years. Where, like Chelsea, for example. I think Chelsea suffer from, at this season, just being in their own little bubble. You know, being third. So you have performances like Arsenal and Brentford because mm. you really have nothing to play for in the league. You're not going to catch up with City yeah. and Liverpool. You're not going to fall off from, you know, going to the level of Arsenal, um, Tottenham, Man United. And I think that's something that United need to get to, that level of stability so that you can look towards City and Man- um, sorry, City and Liverpool because we're not going to catch them in two to three years. It will take time. Yeah, I agree. I like the backhanded compliment to Liverpool as well. 30 years. <laughs> no, but, no, but, no, but, I think, no, but I think, I think you know, Carragher makes a good point. You're never as far as you think you are. But Liverpool, yeah. everybody talks how great they are at the moment. And rightly so. They've got a great manager. They've got a great team. And it pays me to say these things. But these are the facts. Yeah, you know, it's a very good, well, a very likeable team. I, you know, if you, I think their first 11 is probably stronger than City's. You know, Thiago's now stepped up. But it wasn't like that ten years ago. You know, they had Charlie Adam in the midfield, had Roy Hodgson. It takes time, and that's that's the, and that's the truth. And that's not even me criticizing them or or making any digs towards it. But I've seen it flip very quickly, and I think yeah. Liverpool fans should be well aware. And I think they are um, not a dig at them, but they will know that you know United. I think even Klopp said it after the game. You know, we'll be back. And I think that's something that Gary Neville has said in the last few weeks. And I don't agree with Gary Neville with everything he says. Probably the only thing I do agree with. Is I do think we'll come back and it might not even be Ten Hag, but I think we're, we're too big for us to disappear. You know, we're not we're not built on oil money or maybe an owner <laughs> who may get sanctioned or not. We are built for, for our success uh, on the pitch, and that's why we we are the, you know the biggest clubs in, in in the country. So look, it, it's not a nice where we are at the moment, but it can always change. But right now, yes, we're, we're crying out for stability for sure. Mm. Yeah, no, agreed. Before we move on from Manchester United and uh, this really uh, rosy topic, uh, Ten Hag being appointed, Josh. Uh, I mean, mm. are you as a Manchester United fan? I guess more from a personal point of view, are you happy that he's been appointed? And also, uh, you know, do you know much about him? Do you think he's a good yeah. fit? Yeah, I think it's the first time post Fergie that Manchester United have hired a manager that is on the up, that is on someone who is, uh, you would say, is one of the top European coaches outside the Premier League. Um, I think the most important thing for Manchester United is this is the first summer without Ed Woodward. Now, this is someone who's made, you know, done, done, the, done the real damage. When Ferguson stepped down, we lost David Gill as well. Those are two influential people to the football club. We got someone who had no idea about football, was a banker that um, brokered the deal for the Glazers to get the football club. And this is the most important thing. So the last 18 months or so, United have changed their structure. They've brought in, they're not brought in, they've 
implemented this guy called John Murtagh, who used to work for Everton, and he joined Manchester United, um, fine enough, when David Moyes came. And now he's director of football, he's working alongside Darren Fletcher. And you're already seeing the moves that he's made, i.e. we never would have brought in someone like Ralph Ragnick um, if Edward was still in charge. You probably have gone for Conte. You know, someone who's quick fix, quick, 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 quick. You know, every someone is just going to give us a title, give us a, a championship. Oh, we, we lost 5-0 to Liverpool. We lost 2-0 to City. Oh, we need to bring Conte. What we've done now, we've kind of streamlined our our structure to be able to bring someone like a Ten Hag and give him time. Now, him personally, I think he's the right appointment. I think he's someone that, if you look at our squad, probably minimum, minimum 10 players will leave in the summer. So we need... Uh, a lot of players to come in, but we've also got a young nucleus. You look at someone like Marcus Rashford, he's not that player we've seen in the last eight, nine months. You, you just don't lose that. Someone like Anthony Marshall maybe needs proper coaching. Um, J- Jaden Sancho, even Hannibal that's come through. There's a lot of good youngsters um, that, that we have in our academy and I think he's able to unlock that. Is he going to bridge the gap from City and Liverpool? We have to wait and see. You know, it's a challenge for him. You know, he's not managing the Premier League. We've seen the last manager that's come from Ajax in Frank de Boer lose the f- six games in a row. I don't think that'll happen, but it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a possibility. And I think a lot of um, United fans prefer Ten Hag over Pochettino because Pochettino, we've seen that kind of, we've kind of seen that movie at Spurs and Tottenham. He's kind of coached, he's kind of lived that experience. Whereas Ten Hag, he's won, he's won a few titles in Holland. He's going to come over to the Premier League. And even with Thomas Tuchel, you saw the effect he did when Lampard uh, was sacked and he came in. Not only did he win the Champions League, we're winning a lot of football games quickly. And I think with um, with Ten Hag, it's the right appointment for now, where the club's going off the field, for the profile players we want, you know, maybe not getting Ronaldo was the right thing. Um, you know, Falcao, you know, Sanchez, all these type, Di Maria, these all Ed Woodward sort of, oh, we need just a name, a name, a name. And I think we are changing. Um, if you look at the last 18 months, so we have to we have to wait and see, give him time. But I, I, I'm personally happy with the appointment. I don't think it's, he's our saviour because I don't, I don't believe there's <laughs> such thing. I don't think Peppel Klopp comes into for us and wins us a title. We have, you know, fundamental problems. But it, over time, if it goes well, and if it does, then we're, we're in luck in a couple of years. If it doesn't, we'll just go out and get Pochettino. <laughs> <laughs> is, is, is this style of football kind of like akin to what Manchester United to look at? Yeah, what yeah. It's, it's, it's attacking football. It's, it's you know, uh, the typical Dutch total football um, for most listeners to, to kind of get an idea of what he's produced. He produced really two good Ajax sides in the last few years. And obviously it's funny, Poch knocked him out on away goals in 2019. The season at Liverpool beat um, Spurs in 2019 in Madrid. Uh, he, he worked under Pep Guardiola. He was the um, head coach for Bayern Munich's second team uh, before going to Ajax. He actually worked under Steve McLaren also uh, for FC20. So it's very, very on brand for, for what you know United want and United fans you know, will kind of help him when he needs time. It's not going to be sterile football. And and also United, Louis van Gaal, brilliant coach in his own right, what he did at Barcelona, Jose Mourinho, of course, you guys know what he's all about, his size he built in 06, 05. Those are all previous eras of football. Whereas Ten Hag, we, we, we're looking forward, you know, his best years ahead of him. And I think that's the key point, his best years ahead of him. Whereas, you know, Oli was, 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 wasn't, wasn't tried and tested, but Louis van Gaal, Mourinho was. Um, so yeah it's, we're expecting attacking football coming through we hope anyway we can only hope <laughs> yeah no no, I agree I think it's yeah it'll be an interesting one for sure uh, looking forward to seeing what he does at the club and I'm sure the summer will be very very busy uh, for Manchester <laughs> United but yeah like, I think to be fair like this has been talked about for ages the Ten Hag appointment I feel like uh, you're right I feel like every 
one who supports Manchester just wants the season to be over so they can get to the summer, get people in and out, and then just start hopefully refreshing. So um, I'm sure, yeah, for Manchester United, really the season's over. It's just whether you guys can somehow nick fourth, um, which we'll see. We'll see. Still time. Uh, you never know. Um, on to then, I guess, uh, the Champions League semi-finals then. So the big meaty ones. Uh, so we can start off with Manchester, Manchester City and Real Madrid, sorry, even. About to say Manchester United. That's uh, 2003. Uh, Manchester City and Real Madrid. Um, I mean, yeah, we'll go on that first because obviously, stuff. I'm sure you've got a lot to talk about Liverpool. But Ash, from a neutral point of view, I mean, it's a it's a class game. I think mean, we're we're a little bit still sore, I'm sure, after being knocked out by Real Madrid. But we'll talk about them in a positive light. Uh, Benzema, I mean, he's in phenomenal form. But Man, Man City surely go into that the favourites. Yeah, I think they do. I mean, I, I think I personally see it as City's year, and, and it's 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 a case of well, Real Madrid. They're always, you know, going to be up for the big games. They've got that experience. They've got a winning mentality. Um, but I think City have just got so much quality, and I think their problem has often been mentality when it comes to the the, the clutch. Um, points of games and, and, and in the ties. Um, I've often found they'll maybe have a good first leg, but then um, struggle in the second leg. Um, but I think this year they've got enough quality all over the pitch and there seems to be an enhanced level of focus and determination to, to, to win it. And I think having lost the final last year, which was the furthest they've got, I think they'll have that edge on rail, who, who, to be honest, I thought uh, played well at Stamford Bridge, um, but but really, really didn't play well um, at the Bernabeu. And um, it, to be honest, I, I'm not that totally convinced by the Chelsea side that they played against. So um, the the up against what is undoubtedly a quality City side, I, I'd, 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 I'd give the edge to City, even if Benzema's on it. Um, I think across the two legs, I'd back City. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, they they stole it from us. <laughs> they stole it from um, Modric with his damn uh, ridiculous passing. Uh, but yeah, stuff. Uh, what about you in terms of the, the City Real Madrid uh, tie? I mean, what do you look at it? And also, from a Liverpool point of view, who would you prefer as well? If you guys win, of course. If we were to get through, um, I'd prefer to play Real Madrid. Um, I think City will be a tougher opponent. And we've got some unfinished business with Real um, from from 2018. So I'd, 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 my preference would be to play Real Madrid. Um, I think on paper, they'd, they'd probably be the, the opponents that most Liverpool fans would want to face. Um, just looking at that tie, I, I know Benzema has been in arguably you know the form of his life but i but i thought i thought madrid got past psg and and, and psg really should have really should have sort, sort that out um given 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 what the score was what the score was and 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 then the kind of the comeback that, that they made and the mistakes that were made in that game by psg and i think it just exposed that you know, some of the gaps that they have in in in, in their team um 
I think if PSG still had Thiago Silva, I don't think that would I don't think that would happen. Um, uh, but you know, uh, it, it happened. And then against you against Chelsea, I, I just thought again they, they they rode their luck a little bit. One could argue is that the luck of a champion, right? To to, to kind of just get through and, and have that luck throughout the tournament. Maybe who knows? Um, but still, I would I'd rather face Real Madrid than than um, than City. I just think City have a lot of quality. Like Ash was saying, um, a strong side and the determination to win this competition. I, I think if you if you ask Pep at the beginning of the season um, and put him on a lie detector and just ask him, um, you know, what, what's your priority? I think it would be clear that the, the Champions League's uh, his priority. Um, he need, he needs to deliver that. It's it's what it's what the owners want, um, and and I and I think they you know there's a belief at City that that's. That's the last piece of the of the puzzle to win a Champions League title and, and to kind of demonstrate that they've reached that elite status in 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 world football and they've delivered the Champions League. So, um, if we were to face them, I think as well losing the final of the year before they'd be they'd they'd be up for it. Um, uh, we we've been there. We lost the final in 2018 and we came through in 2019. And from the get go in that game, I know we. We, we got that early penalty and one could argue about it, but I think we, we just controlled that game against Tottenham because we came in with that mentality that we had to win that game. We lost it the year before. We're not going to lose finals in back-to-back years. So I think it would, it would, be, it would be, a, it'd be a tougher challenge. So, yeah, that's just my perspective on the, on the whole Real Madrid, um, Man City side of things. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting in there. Uh, well, I guess City are the favourites unless Pep does something weird. Like we were, I've always go on about it, but it plays, you know, uh, you know, someone like uh, Cancelo up front or something, and uh, <laughs> just something really weird. But yeah, no, I yeah, I agree with you with both of you guys on that. I think it's just that's interesting one in terms of matchups. I guess it'll be Benzema and the centre backs, and can they are they able to contain them? Because every time the ball came across the box. Uh, when we played them, I was just like, "Oh crap!" Like I could just see Benzema leaping, and I was like, "No, no, stop! Like, I don't, know. don't head the ball, don't, don't get anywhere near him." Uh, so I'm, I'm hoping, um, I'm hoping it's an entertaining game. Though I think it will be. Josh, from from your point of view, I mean, uh, looking at it, what do you think of the tie? I mean, are we getting ahead of ourselves? Are our City that bigger favourites? No, I think you know, I think City are the favourites of the whole tournament. The- on paper, the best teams out of the last four teams. I mean, just slightly ahead of Liverpool. Um, they have, Real Madrid do have a look of a side, though, who have performed poorly. I think stuff's correct. Where moments, you know, you score three goals randomly in, in a short space of time. It's PSG. Chelsea perform, you know, admirably proper performance away in Spain. You know, Werner's even scoring goals. And then, you know, Modric produced one of the best passes of the season. You're sitting there thinking, where does that come from? And, you know, statistically, there's not a lot of extra time goals in football. And then you score within the first five minutes. And once once um, that that goal is produced, you know Chelsea not going to come back. And even even look at the performance at Stamford Bridge. Where that's come? Where has that come from? You know, a few weeks prior, they lost to to Barcelona in, in La Liga. Um, so they're they're a funny they're a funny team. Um, think about Man City. Their high liners, you can get at them. They can give you. They, Real Madrid will have chances. Um, it's just about can Real Madrid keep City out? And I'm I'm not convinced. Um, that's the case over two legs. Now there's no away goals as well. I think that always suits the size that produce more goals. Um, 
So yeah, I still think Man City would do it, but I've got this, you know, it's all United fans' worst nightmare is a, it's a Man City Liverpool kind of final and it's arrowing towards that. I mean, everybody their brains can see that. But it, I do agree with stuff as well. The Villarreal Liverpool, it's, it could be quite tricky if you know Emery. And if if you think about Real Madrid Man City, although Man City are clear favourites, you do have that kind of niggling feeling in the back where you, it wouldn't surprise you if Real Madrid got through though. It wouldn't surprise you. You know, then you throw in Pep's kind of tactics where you may pay Gondawan alone as a DM. It, it, yeah, it's a bit... Your heads say Man City, Liverpool, of course, to progress and your, your heads will say Man City, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's one Spanish team in. And if you're going to back one, you'd back Real Madrid. So, yeah, I still think City just, but it's not going to be paying sailing. Yeah, and no, agreed. I think with the high line as well, like Vinicius and uh, Rodrigo, I mean, they... They've got pace to burn. Um, I'm I'm definitely sure that one of them will at least play uh, and get him behind. I mean, I know James had uh, his hands full uh, when we played um, Real Madrid with, with Vinicius. I mean, he was just all over the place. Uh, and his quality as well, like he's improved so much, so young still, uh, but he's developing into a phenomenal talent. So, yeah, and they've also got experience. Like right? a lot of their players have been there and done it. They know how to manage games. I think that's the biggest thing. And and as you said, like in the moments. And to be perfectly honest with you, in cup competitions, the best team doesn't always win. Uh, I think that 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 is definitely the case. I mean, last year were Chelsea the best team in the Champions League? I'd, well, probably not. I don't think we were too perfectly honest with you. I think uh, if we look at it, kind of man for man, in terms of you know we weren't really the better, the best team in the competition, but we we did what we need to do in the moments. And I f- feel like Real Madrid are doing that at the moment, so maybe it could be the case, but um, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, it'll be really interesting. Uh, Villarreal-Liverpool, uh, stuff I'll go to you first. I mean, you obviously, you were talking about how Villarreal, well-drilled side, etc. But, I mean, Liverpool, you guys surely are still confident, though. I mean, with the side you've got, I mean, surely you'll break down Villarreal. I know Unai Emery's very... Uh, I know, obviously, his stint here with Arsenal wasn't as successful as maybe a lot of people would have hoped, but he's a very intelligent manager uh, and he knows how to win football games. Uh, he, it definitely won't be easy, but I think Liverpool, I mean, they've surely got too much. It's interesting you mentioned Unai. Um, he's, he's got a very good record against against Liverpool. Um, he beat us in the, in the final, uh, with Sevilla in the, in the Europa League final, um, in Klopp's first season. Um, I look at his period with Arsenal, and I just think that a lot of things were wrong in the club, and and I'm talking about the structure of the organisation. I think Josh made a made a reference to how Manchester United have sort of shuffled the pack internally when when you think about sort of the operations of the club. Um, and I think they got to, United got to a point where they realized something had to change. Um, and, Ed, and Edward was sort of moving on, gave them that window of opportunity. And I think the experience with Unai, we, we've seen changes now happen at Arsenal, um, sort of in, 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 in the backroom staff and sort of, uh, sort of in the hierarchy of the club. And I think Unai suffered as a consequence of that. Um, you look at his win percentage, uh, compared to Arteta, I think at one point a couple of weeks ago, I looked at it and, and it was, I think Arteta had a slightly, uh, sorry, Unai had a slightly better win percentage. Um, and I don't think he was given enough enough time. Um, so it was kind of like the perfect storm and it just didn't work out. And that happens. Um, but 
when you look at his track record with Spanish sides, uh, it's impressive. And I think what he's done with Villarreal and sort of, you know, you look at a player like Dan Juma, who I think was he was a Bournemouth, wasn't he? Um, and they got relegated. And now he's he's tearing up the you know the Champions League. Um, you know, Gerard Moreno looks looks one one hell of a player. They've got Chiguese as well, who's 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 got pace, who's got you know power, and um, they've got experienced players like Albiol at the back. He's the captain, um, and even players like Kapue, who was at Spurs and then Watford, and then he seems to be a rejuvenated, rejuvenated player. And when I saw him on the pitch against Bayern, I was like, I can't be the same Kapue. From, from from Spurs and from Watford. So he's clearly kind of drilled this team, developed some of these players, maybe given them a sec, you know, a, a second win. Some of these players' careers maybe were just kind of not there. And he's given them a second win. They're on the back of winning the Europa League last year, doing okay in La Liga. Um and he's and he's doing exceptionally well with the squad that he's got. Um I think it will be a, a tactical battle. I, I think Liverpool we have the quality. We have the quality, and I, I think that quality should see us go through. Um, but in the Champions League, you can't rule anything out. Um, I look at it in a similar way to kind of when we played um, when we played Roma um, in 2018. Um, we had kind of a lot of Liverpool fans that thought, "Oh, we should get through." You know, we've got the momentum. We've just we've just gone past City, um, uh, so we should we should get past Roma. Um, and in the first leg, Salah did did an exceptional job at, at Anfield and scored scored quite a few goals. And then they scored this late goal. And then we went to we went to Rome and and it was tight. It wasn't as easy as we thought it would be. Um so yeah, I I, I do think a lot of Liverpool fans are confident, but and and yet yeah, technically on paper we've got the squad and we should have the quality to, to get through and to break them down. But uh Unai is not he's he's not a novice. He's an experienced manager, uh proven at your, you know, in, in European competitions, and I think it'll make it very difficult for us. Um, first leg at Anfield will be interesting if we can get away with a with a solid win, try not to concede any goals, and then go away and try and and try and you know play you know do one of our typical Jurgen Klopp away performances, then we should be okay. But um, that first leg at Anfield will tell us a will tell will tell the story. <laughs> well, with that, with the crowd behind you and being at home first, then. No excuses. That's it. Got the job done. <laughs> to be fair, I, I've been to Anfield. We, we, we I know what so. the crowd's like. I mean, come on, you get behind them. Um, Ash, what do you think? I mean, have you seen much of Villarreal? I mean, and do you think they pose much of a threat? Um, I, I think they will. I mean, at the end of the day, it's Embry in a European at, at, at the death of a European competition, and he has a phenomenal record. Um, so I think. He'll be really up for it. His team um, will, will be massively up for it. I think, I think um, as mentioned before, it's, it's a case where when it gets to these stages of the competition, it means so much to, to the players that, that they'll, they'll, they'll perform um, beyond, beyond expectation, I think. And, and um, having seen Villarreal play, you know, not, not frequently, but I saw them play um, in Europa League final and then the Super Cup, they played really well against um, against Chelsea and could have easily won that. Went down to penalties. Um, I think they will definitely cause cause problems. Um, but but again, kind of on the flip side, you've got Liverpool 
in the Champions League is always is always a big threat. And that's kind of if you if I if I put my Chelsea hat on and think like one team that I don't want to play against on a European night in one stadium is Liverpool at Anfield, and that the, the fact that that's the first leg, I wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool kill off the tie in the first leg. Um, they they're, they're capable of just blitzing teams and um, scoring three in ten minutes and uh, something like that, and um, I think. It could be a case where Villarreal in the game and then suddenly it's just snatched from them like that. Um, so it remains to be seen. I think if Villarreal can, can kind of hang in there um, until sort of the, the 60th, 70th minute um, and maybe, you know, even if they do lose the first leg, um, but kind of keep it, um, keep sort of um, um, Liverpool out for the most part, then... Then anything could happen in the in the second leg, um, but a bit like we said with with City and Real Madrid, I just think that quality in every area of the pitch that Liverpool have will be enough to get them through. I mean, I'm a big fan of Thiago as a player, and um, even though Liverpool arrivals are a little bit disappointed with how he was playing for um, at the start of his Liverpool career, and, but now it's quite good to see he's finally. Um, really showing his stuff, and when, when he's on form, he's just a joy to watch. Um, he can do it all, and like well, we mentioned, the short passing, but he's also got a fabulous, like long range switch of play. Um, and with, with him on that sort of form, and then a plethora of attacking options, um, that Liverpool have, I think you'd, you'd be, yeah, yeah, you'd be, you'd be taking a big gamble not to not to back back Liverpool. Yeah, I think the early goal is really crucial. So I think if Liverpool get an early goal, then it's kind of like floodgates open. But if Villarreal can stop them um, and then takes the second half, even second half, then it's like, oh, okay, what's going on here? So you just never know. Uh, Josh, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I agree with what the, the guys say there. I think it's the advantage of Liverpool. Um, I think going to Anfield for a second, it would have been daunting. You know, you can imagine getting a 1-1 at home, or even maybe turn Liverpool over 2-1, you have to go to Anfield. Yeah, it's not looking good. So I think either they'll lose, as I said, 1-0 or 2-1. That's a good That's a good result to take back. The semi-final performances are going to be raised. And I think also for the Spanish sides, a real boost for them is that Liverpool and Man City can't afford to take the eye off the league because they're both going for it. And Liverpool played Newcastle at 12.30 on the Saturday after, which is a real kind of... <laughs> and Klopp's really moaned about that. They play... On the Wednesday, and they play Saturday afternoon, and that's going to be tricky. Yeah, Liverpool have a, you know a squad. We keep talking about how you know Diaz has come in, but it was once upon a time, very soon a year ago, Liverpool you know struggled with depth. Um, and Newcastle playing brilliantly in the league at the moment, and you know that's why the quadruple. It's not because Liverpool are not good; it's because of the, the, those those schedules and those games. Whereas Villarreal and Real Madrid, they can rest, and I think Villarreal did that, didn't they? They rested the whole team, including the goalkeeper, I think, before the game against Bayern, and they'll do that again. So. That's one thing to look out for, I think, also for the two ties. But in terms of that, I still, I still see Liverpool comfortably doing doing the job at Anfield. You know, to doing what they did against United in, in getting a couple of goals. It's just too many opportunities they create for for Mane, Salah, and Diaz and Jota. It's just too many now. And now you've got someone like Thiago working. They've actually got a maestro, and you're forgetting that they're back four. So solid. You know, Canate comes in, replaces Matip. He gets a few goals, um, but then he's solid. 
you know, Trent for his defensive flaws. He's such a defensive threat. Robertson's a you know good left back, and Fabinho is a solid defensive mid. There's no weaknesses there. <laughs> you know, it's 180 minutes. You've got to to win. You can maybe beat Liverpool over 90, but if you're at a, a point where your quality is lacking and they've got high quality, and it's why it's why City are impressive, I think, because I think they've been raised by a strong, strong Liverpool team, and they just keep doing it. They keep grinding results. They keep you know not faltering. Yeah, they, they lost at Wembley, but two weeks ago they, they should have won the game at the Etihad. Um, but yeah, I expect nothing more than Liverpool win, regardless of you know Emery's. You know, I hope I'm wrong, obviously, but I can't see how. Liverpool don't. Obviously, I'm just jinxing. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. I'm but I, I can't see nothing but a Liverpool victory. 110. 10-0 Liverpool. <laughs> 100. But but that, but that Saturday, but I do think we we saw it with like even you know Man City on the weekend. They made a few changes in the FA Cup because they went so hard in the Atletico Madrid game. Whereas Liverpool made a few changes for the Benfica game because they'd done the job in Portugal. I don't know if, you know, Liverpool have to, I don't know what the situation is going to be on Sunday against Everton. That's, that's going to play a factor in definitely who, who wins the title and, and maybe in these Champions League ties, 110%. Especially because Newcastle, they're the, they're the, they're the, kind of the poorer teams you want to, you know, they're the worst teams you want to face, really, because you've got nothing to play for. <laughs> so they, they will make it difficult. Um, for Liverpool that day but yeah as I said I expect Liverpool to beat Villarreal comfortably at Anfield and that'll be enough and they'll do the job like I did in, in 2018 against Roma so yeah yeah no agreed yeah agreed I, I think it's tracking towards the the Liverpool City final but you just never know it, it, <laughs> yeah you just never know though it's just uh, you know I mean how many times have we seen you know like there's so many opportunities where like you know one year it was could be Real Madrid Barcelona, and then there's Real Madrid Atletico in the final because Atletico just did a number on Barca, and then there's just so many different, like as Asher said as well, that in the Champions League, you can just have one team who has an inspired performance on the night, and you know, they home crowds behind them, and they just are able to get the result, get a result that no one was expecting. So, yeah, we'll see. Really exciting, though. I'm really looking forward to those two games actually as well this week. Um, but yeah, uh, is there anything that you guys uh, want to touch upon as well, topic-wise, that we haven't touched upon? Hey, race, race for top four. Do you, who who do you fancy to get it? Because that was a massive. Obviously, we don't have any Arsenal supporters here, but that was a massive support, a massive win for Arsenal. Because they lost their last three games. Yeah. They able to go to Stamford Bridge. I think that's the first time I don't know in Premier League history, but the first time they've beaten Chelsea back-to-back at the Bridgeford for a number of years. Yeah. Um, and no one have given them a chance after Southampton. And obviously, they play United on, on Saturday. If they were to get a result there, would you put them as favourites? Or... Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I think with uh, with goal difference, Tottenham are like are still quite ahead, but they've still got Liverpool to play, haven't they? Tottenham play Liverpool, yeah, second day last yeah. week of the season. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know whether it'll, it'll be still in play at that point, but I'd imagine it might be. But I mean, you talk about those two, but if Manchester United beat Arsenal, then they're. No, 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 no. I just don't want that jinx. I just don't believe. You know, you, you know, a team that can't beat Leicester and Everton doesn't deserve to be in top four, you know? Everton have got one win and how many that was against us. Look at that Norwich game again. It was Ronaldo, you know, brilliance. It was individual brilliance. Um, if if the players wanted that fight, they would have tried their best, tried at least to compete against Liverpool. Yeah, we might be Arsenal, but are we going to beat you guys next Thursday? I don't think so. Shut mm. in, you know. I don't yeah. think so. I, I don't. I don't put United. United there all by name, but not. We won't. We won't finish top four. 
I don't think so. I'll, I'll, I'll go with Tottenham. I believe in Conte and his uh, his rejuvenation of the other team. But Ash and Saf, what are your thoughts? If I was to put a bet on now, I'd probably I'd probably back Tottenham. I just think, like you, I just think Conte is always squeezing as much as he can out of that team. And I think on their day, that, that sort of Sun-Kane partnership can win you games. Um, and, and and so I, I would I would probably back Tottenham. Um, I think Arsenal would, would may may just miss out by a point or two because there's not that much in it. United maybe another point or two behind. Um, but yeah, I'm going Tottenham. Hmm. Ash, yeah, I think it's it's even though even though Arsenal played so well yesterday, I think it's very hard to back them in any sort of. <laughs> um, so I'd, yeah, I'd hand it to Tottenham. But I think that I mean the North London derby would be huge, um, be absolutely massive, and probably who wins that? I mean, I say who wins that will probably go on to win it, but knowing these these sort of teams, you know, they're, 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 they're red hot one day and then absolutely woeful the next day. So um, I think it will go down to the wire, um, but. On your point, Josh, about uh, Man U Chelsea, I, I can, to be honest, I can see Man U win it because we are charity <laughs> at the moment. Whenever you need a win, if you're on a torrid run of form, Chelsea are there, ready to hand you the three points. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I still think there'll be a, there'll be a few twists and turns, um, but I'd, I'd probably give the give the edge to um, Tottenham. Part, I mean, part of me wants to wants to see Arsenal make it just because they've, they've been through, through so many years of suffering and they, they finally have a, a team that they believe in. And, you know, as a Chelsea fan, Tottenham or Arsenal, I mean, it's, it's pick your poison. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe Eddie and Ketty will go on an absolute run now and, and lead Arsenal to, 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 to top four. But, um, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Yeah, who knows? Who knows? This is uh, yeah. I think I, I don't know. I wouldn't. I, I'd know. I know. Josh doesn't believe. I wouldn't even be surprised. Manchester United are there or thereabouts. Uh, I think. I think if United get a result against Arsenal, then because we'll be level with Arsenal and we'll be yeah. three points behind Spurs. I think, and knowing that Arsenal Spurs play each other, and of course Spurs go to, to Liverpool. I just don't think these players care. Then. <laughs> If we really wanted to turn up this season, we'd be in the top four comfortably right now. We'd be three points behind Chelsea. We've had so many games where Arsenal and Tottenham have lost and drawn. You know, Tottenham have lost three in a row. Arsenal have lost three in a row. We could have beaten Leicester. We could have beaten Everton. We could have beaten Burnley. A hundred of draws, you know, since Ragnar's come in. I just don't think the players care. So I, I think it'd be interesting to see what happens at Arsenal. Yeah, we'll beat Arsenal. Maybe we can beat Chelsea. Then it gets interesting, but... They haven't got the fight. That's that's that's, mm. the, that's the that's the most depressing thing. I think you look at Arsenal Spurs. They they've bought into their respective managers. All right, they're permanent, but ours they they don't, and they're they're really thinking about their other clubs and their next move. So yeah, I, I'm not confident as you can tell. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Mate, David De Gea captain is what I see. Um, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I, I, yeah, I, I don't really know who else you make captain. To be fair, apart from Harry, Mag- I mean Harry Maguire's yeah, it's not not the one for me, uh, captain wise. Anyway, uh, but yeah, is it Ash stuff as well. And Josh, any other topics before we wrap up? Nothing springs to mind actually. Um... 
I'd be I'd be keen to hear Josh's thoughts on who who he thinks might stick around. Um, <laughs> and, who, and, and who he thinks might leave. I mean, Matic, Matic has already said he's on his way out. But be keen to hear how many players uh, you think might leave this summer. I'm leave? Yeah. I think 15, because there's around six who leave on free contract automatically. So I think it's Matic, Cavani, Mata. Um, I think mm-hmm. Paul Pogba will leave. Um, I think that's it. Obviously, Mason Greenwood, obviously, with his issues and off the field, he won't return to the scores. We have lost a body there, which has affected us a little bit in terms of just having a body there. At times, Ronaldo's had to play every game and Cavani's been on holiday and been, and been injured. So I think he, he'll go, um, Cavani. And then you have players, yes, Matic will go. Um, then you would probably look at someone like Eric Bailly, those Ilka players, Wan-Bissaka potentially. I think one of the keepers will go as well, Henderson. Um, but but he like apparently, um, Ted Hag is a fan of a sweeper keeper, but something that is, a lot of United fans have criticised the hair for for not coming up off his line, not being physical in, in the penalty box. Uh, Ronaldo is an interesting one. Where does he go? You know, it's easy to say we'll leave Manchester United, but who's paying him on that wages? Um, is he really going to go to PSG and join Messi, who's really suffered in France? Looks like Mbappe may stay. Um, in terms of who, who stays, obviously, I think Sancho will. I think Alango will. I think Rashford will. I mean, he, he his contract, he's still got another two years left. I think Luke Shaw, Maguire, Duster, I don't think who's going to buy Maguire for, for that amount of money. Um, even someone like Marshall, he's on so many wages, it's so much. He's on 220 grand. So, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot there. I would personally only keep Sancho and Varane because they just come in last summer. I've seen, I've seen them with all the other players play now. For, for, you know, it's a real problem for United. I think Chelsea do this really well. You've alone players or Marina gets them out straight away. We, we've had Matic since, what, 20, 2017? We've had, you know, uh, Eric Bailly since 20, 2016. You know, De Gea's now been there for 11, 12 years. I mean, I forgot the main guy, Phil Jones, has been there since I was in, yeah. in secondary school. You know, and I've got, I'm not going to come here and jump on the, the bandwagon and criticise Phil Jones because he's had his injuries. And at once upon a time, he was performing for United under Fergie, which most players were doing. But why is he still at the club? Why was he given a new contract in 2019? You know, that, these, these, these are why we are behind. I've got you for Goyers in the squad. I've got you even at Man United until he was in the side. And that's the, the problem. That, and that's why we're behind these teams. A lot of it's recruitment. You could look at managers and say, Oli did this and Vu Van Gaal did that, Mourinho, but we just don't get rid of players. The fact that we have seven players leaving on a free contract, including Lee Grant, is an embarrassment for, for a top-level football club. Six, seven. You know, so Ten Hag can be in trouble if he doesn't get back just because there's no quality. You know, we're not going to be the team that started the season with, you know, all these star names that can't gel. We're going to be a team that just maybe just has Sancho and half-baked Rashford. So, yeah, it's a, it's a mammoth job that Taylor's got because of those those um, departures. But for me, as a United fan, I find it exciting because we can just get rid of the Deadwood and that's something we've not been able to do. You know, we can literally say, OK, bye. Now, I would personally keep someone like Paul Pogba. I'd keep certain other players, but it's time to start fresh. We have a new manager. We've got a new structure. It's done. You know, it's really done. And even if someone like Marcus Rashford has to go, let him go. You know, we, we were told years, last couple of years, that Lukaku, oh, why do you know I get rid of Lukaku? And of course, you've got loads of goals at Inter. He's come to the Premier League and now he sits on the bench. <laughs> you know, plays will leave and go. It doesn't matter. You know, I think, you know, Klopp did it once, Salah or um, Mane. He wanted Brandy, he wanted Goethe. Oh, well, the Liverpool fans want Goethe and Brandt now. No, no. So that's that's the yeah. thing with football. I think you can't be too emotional with players. You support a club and 
sometimes you do get too emotional with them and wanting people to stay. But so if I can't really answer your question, there's so many outgoings and ingoings <laughs> to come. I can't really, you know. But I think I don't think any player whose contracts run out will resign. There might have been a little bit of hope for Pogba, I think, but after the weekend of the booze, it's best that both parties just move on. I think he's a symbol of also, yeah. you know, this, the, the the kind of bad times at United and the you know, the blames at both sides for the club and himself. He hasn't performed. And the same with Maguire, but Maguire's no one's going to buy him. <laughs> he's not a poor yeah. So we're yeah. stuck with him. Yeah. So that's the problem. So yeah, loads of outgoings, but I, I think it's exciting. I think that's what excites United fans the most is that it's not going to be he comes in, he's going to work with these group of players. I think it's a bit naive in what we've, what we're reading and listening about, oh, the, you know, the players don't like... It. These players are not going to be there. Other than Bruno Fernandes, you know, Sancho and Varane, because Bruno signed a new contract, he could just... Everybody can go. Or yeah. at least, you know, Lindelof may stay. But it's not going to be... The, not many players from Anfield or this season will be there. So it's exciting. Yeah. Do you, would it's do a you... reboot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Finally. Yeah, it's, it's a refresh, yeah. yeah. Uh, would you would you keep Ronaldo, Josh? I would for one season because I think I think we will sign another striker. Um, but I'm intrigued to see him under Ten Hag uh, system. I know it's the Dutch league, so everything else, is, everything comes with an asterisk with the Dutch league. But if you look at someone like Sebastian Haller, the amount of goals he scored under you know Ten Hag. I mean Ronaldo. He, at times you've looked at him and thought, oh, why has he come back? He's struggling. But he's got the same amount of goals as Jota. And everybody could talk about how great Jota is. I think only um, um, Salah and Son or maybe one other player scored more goals than him. He's now one goal away from 100 Premier League goals. He's been phenomenal. Yeah, he scored goals in Sprouts, but he's, he's, got, he's got two Premier League hat-tricks. He's got hat-tricks in his top six sides um, in Spurs. Uh, and he's still quality. He's one of the best players to ever live. Why not? Why not keep it for one year? Why not? I, I think if, you, if you're changing everything around him, uh, it, what harm can it be? You know, what harm? And I think also, I think it's challenging for Tanog to come and work under someone like that. If he just pushes him aside and maybe he's not got the appetite to work with these big personalities. Because eventually you will have big personalities coming in. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, yeah. Mo Salah wasn't a big personality, say, a couple of years back, but now he's got a bit of power because he's playing well. And now he wants a certain amount of money to play for Liverpool. You know, because of course, Chris Ronaldo now is a personality. Maybe Jaden Sancho might be that. So I don't think you should come in and just say, you know what, we need to just move on. I think there's use for Ronaldo. We've seen that this year. At times, he's been a problem, but at the times, he's been a solution. So I would keep Ronaldo for one year. But if he went, I wouldn't care because I have no emotion other than St. Joe Brown because they're new here. And that's how I feel. But yeah, yeah I wouldn't be against him staying. I don't think that's detrimental. We need, we need depth. You can't get rid of everybody. That's the problem as well. Yeah. I mean, he's fun. Yeah. The thing is, he's phenomenal. We had, we had a discussion on this in one of the previous pods. And I was just saying that, like, I just didn't, never understand this whole, like, Oh, you know, he's the reason why you know, the team aren't playing well and blah blah blah. And I'm just like, he's banging goals. He's like one of the only players that's actually playing well. Um, I mean, I don't understand how you can say he's the problem. Like, it's just, it just really, it's just, I can't, I can't believe the, the kind of arguments behind it. So it's just really, really bizarre. But yeah, I think in terms of Man United, it'll be interesting to see. I don't think they'll get rid of as many players as you want. Josh, because uh, you don't, you don't, but, impossible, you don't, but you they don't will think, get through it a lot. You don't think, even with all the contracts that are, are, are going, because no, you don't. I think it's just so hard. How, how, but the issue is, right? Say if you leave, if say 15, 20 players go, how are you going to bring in 15, 20 players? No, that's that's the challenge. That's the, that's the problem. You that's can't the problem. do yeah, one yeah, transfer. Right. Yeah, you're right. You're, I, I think you, yeah, I think you're correct. But that's, yeah, that's been the big issue as well. Is, we went out of the League Cup very early on and we lost to young boys in the Champions League and we couldn't rotate. 
So you had people like Jesse Lingard on the bench, Donny van der Beek, who need games. And, you yeah. know, it's, it's caused problems in, in the dressing room. But I do agree with you. I think we can't get rid of everybody. But yeah. a good enough chunk will leave. I yeah, I think I think the 15, 20 people will leave, but it will be, a, I reckon it'll be over like two, three transfer windows. I think it'll be like, you know, when you're kind of filtering people out, uh, every transfer window, the game people in, and then that, the club are happy, and then they have to spend it all in one go. They can kind of spread, spread it over, you know, the summer and then January and then another summer. I think that that kind of year cycle, and then you'll be happy. And I feel like they'll he'll have the team that he wants. I think Klopp had a similar thing. He had to kind of do that as well. He kind of had to, for about a year or so, he had to kind of just just cycle people out. Um, and then, but, because it's just impossible, like, to... It's not football manager, I guess. <laughs> where, yeah, you know, no, 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 you no, chuck no, everyone no, out. It'll yeah, be great no, I, yeah. I, in an ideal world. You just do it right, and you just—it yeah. is a you. It's a literal clean slate where you can just go say, you know what, get rid of everyone and just bring. Let's let's just bring everyone in, and, and it's great. But the problem is, a lot of those players are going for free as well. That's the issue as well. Yeah, right? no, I, no, I agree with you. I think yeah. that's, that's, uh, the, the, the wage bill, though, you know, one matter. matter. Yeah. The, the amount of money they're on or someone like even yeah. if you remove even the people that are leaving on a free so someone like Paul Pogba if you if you look at players like Martial Bailly who may want to leave um, already a fullback a goalkeeper so you're looking at five cells there already with the six going and then you, yeah. maybe Ronaldo's a question mark as well you know you, so that's at least even more higher as well so I, I think there'll be at least ten but just, just for yeah. those numbers and someone like Phil Jones who's another year left in his contract he'll go so there'll be a lot of Edward going, um, which is which is pleasing. But it's who bring who we bring in as well. You have to match that quality. You'd hope anyway, but it's going to take time. Um, yeah. Fortunately, I've got a question for you guys, the Chelsea supporters. Are you? I wouldn't say worried about Tuchel, but Chelsea have been in, had big promise this year to compete to definitely win a trophy after buying Lukaku for big money. You won the European Cup. You, you know you were. I think you got more points than anyone else when as soon as you came in outside Man City. I think. Uh, at the moment, are you a bit disappointed how, how the season span and moving forward? You look at the changes at United. We know Liverpool, City, West Ham will stay at a top level. Spurs will, will spend money at Conte. We, we won't be there. Are you a bit worried that he's not been able to to put Lukaku into the team? And you're having these little bit little performances against Brentford. You had a, a dodgy December, January where you're not really kicking on because at the beginning of the season, it was like two calls the guys to challenge Klopp and Pep. But at the moment, you're just third in the league and. It's kind of like you're waiting for the, 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 the piranhas behind you to come to come get you. Um, I think he's done a, a marvelous job um, alongside the sanctions. That, that's that the backdrop of that. I think he's done brilliantly. But what is what is you know the Tuchel life at Chelsea really? What, what does it look like for you guys moving forward? Because yeah, he's won the Champions League, but he's he's either going to bring you bring you the league again. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I'll actually go to you after if that's okay. But yeah, I think with. Uh... With Chelsea, I think it's, I don't know, I think with us, the priority isn't really Champions League. Obviously, we've got, uh, I think if you were to ask Pep, like, okay, you can either win the treble with, you know, the FA Cup and League Cup and the Prem, or you can just win the Champions League. I think he'd just say, I won the Champions League. I think if you if you give him a lie detector, he'll say, I'd rather just win the Champions League on its own. But um, with, I guess, uh, with Tuchel, it's an interesting one because I think he's obviously found a system that he likes. He likes playing uh, with three at the back, which I've never been a massive fan of, but I think obviously it's working. And then we had a lot of success under Conte a couple of, uh, few years ago on that system as well. And uh, someone like Alonso, when Chihuahua's been injured, he's managed to 
flourish under there as well. But the Lukaku issue is, yeah, it is disappointing, I think. I think when he came in, uh, Lukaku, and then he was scoring goals right at the start, I just thought, okay, great. Uh, I know he got injured, and I get that. And I know Tuchel's made a, a big point to say, like, oh, you're injured, he's not really fit, and like basically saying that he's not fit enough, uh, he's not match fit, and he's just, like, it's taking him long, a long time to recover from the injury, etc. I think, obviously, that hasn't helped that Havertz's form has suddenly kind of skyrocketed, so it's coincided at the same time. But in saying that, like, he's managed to play Havertz and Werner together, so what's to say that he can't play Lukaku and Havertz, Lukaku and Werner? So I think it is possible. He's played it as a two at Inter Milan as well with Martinez, so, like, in this, in a very, very similar system. So I think the issue that Tuchel has is that he doesn't want he wants to play either one of Havertz and Lukaku, and Havertz is his man, like he's his main man. Uh, I don't think he wants to play them both together. I think um, he did say that he just needs. Uh, I had an interview with him, and he said that Lukaku just needs a couple of moments where like he basically scores goals or is good form. I guess like how one has had recently, and then great, you know, okay, he's back. But then my question to Tuchel would be, okay, if he does that, great. But where does he fit in? Because it kind of feels like the team that Tuchel's putting together at the moment, there isn't room for Lukaku um, to start anyway. I feel like he's someone who, okay, he's in there to rotate, but he's not his first choice. Um, which is which is a shame because he's born for a lot of money and he is a natural goal scorer. I, I'm also not a massive believer in that his first touch is really poor. I think it, it has been in the past, but I think it's much improved. And I think he's more than good enough. And if he's got service, he'll score goals. But um, I know he went through a bit of a drought and that was because he was making a lot of good runs, but he had absolutely zero service for large parts where Chelsea was struggling. So um, yeah, disappointing, I think, but we'll see. I don't think Lukaku's going to get a big run of games. I, I just have a feeling whilst Tuchel's there, I can't see Lukaku particularly flourishing. But then in saying that, not many strikers have flourished at Chelsea. We had a discussion before one of the previous pods. We just seem to burn world-class strikers. Um, Ash, what are your thoughts? I'm, I'm, I'm not ultimately too disappointed with this season. I think that it very easily could have been that we won the League Cup final. I think like we probably edged it, even though it was a close game um, that could have gone to us. We could easily still be in the Champions League, um, having you know, taken the lead against Real. Um, and, and if that was the case, you'd be looking at the season completely differently. You know, if you add the Super Cup and the Club World Cup, that was a big, a big deal for us actually winning the Club World Cup because we've we'd not done it before. Um, and that sort of complete the set. Um, so it really could have could have gone another way and I think we've been unlucky in terms of injuries and it has been a case of um you know in our midfield it, Jorginho may be fit but then Kovacic is injured or Kante's injured and then Kovacic is fit but oh no Jorginho is injured and we just lack that um stability that you really need to maintain a consistent um uh charter title charge um for the season um uh, but I I've probably not back to manager as much as um, I have Tuchel for, for a long, long time. I really think he's he's the guy. Um, he, he just, the way he commands himself, um, what he demands from his players, um, he, he just, he, I, I just really, really rate him as a manager. 
Um, but I think the key will be in the summer, we have to get our recruitment right. You know, if if if, if uh, Rudiger leaves, that's going to be a big loss. Um, Thiago Silva's not getting any younger. Yeah, as much as he's an amazing centre-back, um, there's really not much left in the tank, I don't think. Um, so this summer, really, it's on a knife edge. It could go one way and we could really sort of fall, fall behind Liverpool and City. Um, or with some good recruitment, I think we can get back up there because, as I said, I, I really think Tuchel's the man. And I think with a, with, with a good summer, um, we, we may have a chance um, next season. I, I think that's the thing. Chelsea's um, ability to relentlessly win trophies, um, FA Cups, Champions Leagues, Europa Leagues, covers up the fact that actually we haven't had a consistent uh, a side that's been able to consistently perform for about five years since Conte's uh, um, side in 2017, which won the league. I think that's papered over quite a lot of cracks. Um, but with Tuchel as manager, good recruitment in the summer, um, whether that means um, selling Lukaku and, and getting someone else in or giving Lukaku another chance, I'm not too sure. Um, I think we've got we've got a good chance, especially with the young players we do have. I think Rhys James, Mount, Havertz, they're all only going to get better. We've got some great players out on loan currently. Um, Gallagher, um, there's a guy called Levi Colville at Huddersfield in the championships who's, who's had sort of a Reese James and Wigan sort of season. Um, he's a centre-back. I think he could be in the starting lineup next season. Um, I don't think Tuchel rates him. So um, I think it all hinges on the summer, a good summer. And we could be, we could be um, making a serious um, title charge, but an average to bad summer. And I think we could be in trouble. Yeah. I think if we lose Rudiger, we're screwed. Um, to say it lightly, to be fair, well, he's just he's uh, influential. I think it'll be uh, it'll be a nightmare if we don't somehow manage to sort that out. But yeah, but I agree. I think Tuchel is. Um, I think we will make a run at the Premier League. I was. Dis- I think I'm a little bit disappointed more in terms of the fact that we. I think we had the side to challenge, but we kind of just fell away pretty pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, Tuchel, I think is definitely he's got drive. You can see in determination. I think. Uh, but I agree with Ash about recruitment. I think I'm not 100% sure what we exactly need, but we need to start looking at, yeah, Thiago Silva, uh, Azpilicueta as well. Like, you know, he's a massive, massive player, but he's coming towards the back end now. Uh, we've got a lot of young players in there, so they'll only get better for sure. I've been ha- quite happy with like Loftus-Cheek recently as well. I'm happy that like he's actually playing. And I think he's got the skill set, but he just needs to apply himself. So... We'll see. We'll see. Um, but, do, do, yeah. sorry, sorry to cut you off, but do, do you think you with all the off the field issues at Chelsea, can you have a can you can you have a strong summer? Because we, you know, after the after the license ends in May, we, the club is you know is sanctioned, can't do anything, can't renew contracts, of course, mm. until that sale is you know um, been processed and approved. And who's that owner? Even to, as today, yeah. we saw a new consortium, you know, likes of Lewis Hamilton and Serena, Serena Williams. Williams. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, think, I, think that's, I think Chelsea will lean on um, a lot of your youth players. Yeah. Um, but just two questions. Yeah, are you worried about that as well? Of course, in the summer, that will be yeah. a big issue for not having the, the, the summer that you guys want. Uh, and oh, I've lost my train of thought now. I've lost it. Oh, well, come back to me. Come back to me. <laughs> <laughs> the, the youth players is like I actually love the season where Lampard. Well, we had no, um, we weren't able to buy anyone. So then we were banned for a year, and 
Um, I just thought it was great. And that's where Tammy Abraham obviously broke through. I know he's not the side anymore, but he's doing well at Roma. Um, Mason Mount, obviously. I mean, look, he's a sure thing now on the side. Uh, he's influential. Um, and, you know, I think, yeah, I think for for me, it's not a bad thing. We've got a really good youth system in place. Our youth sides always do really well. And I think sometimes they don't get a great look in some of the players. So I don't see why it would be terrible for the side, for the club. But I do also think that obviously making a run in the Premier League specifically, I don't think it helps those chances most likely uh, because we've already got some young players in the side and we need that experience in there, especially if we're going to lose some players, which I think we may lose, for example, someone like a Rudiger. Bringing him in, bringing in another youngster into the side, probably, you know, I mean, it's not really going to help uh, over the course of the season. I think, yes, it's great for us longer term, but if we're thinking about just the season next year, uh, we need we need to strengthen the side. I think um, with a couple of transfers, yes, we still need to kind of yeah blood some not the best at doing I think the cup competitions definitely we need to do it but yeah uh, that, that's my thoughts on it Ash what's yours yeah I mean there's there's definitely still that uncertainty about you know what actually the club will look like in come summer uh, and come the start of next season um, so yeah kind of dealing in, dealing with a lot of if if buts and maybes um, but I'd say I'd say Chelsea almost thrives under in, in under chaos and and uncertainty in a way because there there seems to be a, a winning mentality across the club um, and, and yeah perhaps that might change with ownership um, but I think if we retain that um, and as long as the owners are, are, are willing to back the club okay maybe not to the same extent as Abramovich but um, fundamentally concerned with you know improving improving the squad improving the stadium um improving the whole structure of the club uh, we've got a great women's team great academy um making sure that's that that remains um a strong aspect of the club i think um i'm still quite confident that it, it won't really be a massive turning point really and actually in chelsea as a as a as a, as a whole um and yeah it, it remains to be seen. Um, just, yeah, got my fingers crossed that whoever it is that comes in um, is committed to, to making um, the right decisions for, for the for the club and for the fans. Um, who at, at the end of the day, they just want to see their team winning, winning football matches, winning trophies. Um, so, yeah, I'm 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 still still hopeful um, for the summer and beyond. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see which. Um, direction um we go in yeah and stuff sitting there really smug like his football club is all sorted <laughs> no transfer embargoes no new managers you know just talk about the quadruples so uh, you, you know what's you know what's you know what's funny it's it's at the beginning of the season i remember you know listening listening to a few of the pundits and and the general consensus was that liverpool starting 11 was arguably the best in the league but that we lacked the squad to compete on multiple fronts. Um, and as it, and when the season started and then Thiago got injured and I remember Henderson was having some injury issues and um, and Firmino was out for a little bit and, and then 
the squad looked pretty bare bones. Um, and then around, you know, just after the AFCON, all these players came back and all of a sudden everyone's like, wow. And we signed Diaz. And then Kanate was, 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 was showing what a beast he was, you know, power, pace. And all of a sudden everyone's like, wow, Liverpool have a squad. Um, and when you really think about it, the only additions really are Diaz and Kanate. And yes, they're players that can start games for us. Um, but it, it, it's, it's astonishing how that narrative has shifted at the beginning of the season where, the, where people were saying City and Chelsea have deeper squads, far better squads than Liverpool. And now everyone's turning and, and, you know, and, and now looking and saying, well, Liverpool is set, right? Um, and whereas there's question marks around Man City squad because they've got a few injuries and now they're playing some of their youth players. I, I looked at this. I looked at their squad with, um, when we played them at the Etihad, and they had two or three players that I'd never heard of before. Uh, that clearly came from 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 their um, under twenty threes or whatever it was. Um, so it just goes to show you that maybe two or three injuries, or if you have a fourth injury, and all of a sudden like it, it just changes. I mean, you saw what happened with us last season: Van Dijk, Matip, Gomez injured, and all, and it fell apart. The system was broken, essentially, um, because if you take Fabinho and Henderson and put them in centre-backs, then your midfield is, is just completely gone. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, these big squads, you know, they look fantastic and everything, but two, three injuries and, 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 and you could be really fragile. I mean, I, I, you know, I dread to think what would happen to us if, 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 if Alisson got injured. I know, you know, um, we've got that young Irish boy who, who's done really well, uh, Kuvon, um Kelleher, but you know, without Allison, this, you know, I'm, I, I just see him as the best one-on-one keeper. Like, one-on-one, I, I think Allison makes phenomenal saves for us. Um, so if he got injured, what would that mean for us? Would we, you know, would, would, would we draw or lose a couple of games? Possibly. Um, and then there's the one that obviously freaks us all out, which is Van Dyke. Can he stay fit? If he gets injured, what happens? Because <laughs> it, could, it could all go pear-shaped. Um, so, yeah. Um, but it was just an interesting kind of point that I that I noticed how that narrative changed over the course of the season. And then after AFCON, everyone was just like, oh, they've signed Diaz, Thiago's back, and, you know, Henderson and Firmino are both fit again. And all of a sudden, everyone's like, like now we've got, we've, we've had games where the Ox, um, the Ox, Origi, and Minamino can't even get into the matchday squad. And and that was unheard of last season, or even a couple of months ago, it was unheard of. Um even like Harvey Elliott, who who did really well at the beginning of the season, can't even get into a match day squad now. So, um, so yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, and I think with Chelsea, I think you you know one or two signings, and 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 you guys could could look awesome for next season. Um, and it can change really quickly. Yeah, I agree. I think the thing is, you guys need a centre back and then someone to cover right for the for the th- three up top, and then obviously you got you got Jota. Um, before, but then yeah, I think like Diaz and Canate just was like, yeah, this is it. I right? just need, I, I, ju- I just need Bellingham now, and we're sorry. <laughs> That's it. That's all I'm asking for. It's not, it's not asking for a lot, right? Greedy, um, greedy boy. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's just the ox is, 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 is I think he's going to be on his way out. He hasn't, he hasn't really played, and yeah. Um, and I think Curtis Jones and Harvey need time, and I just look at Bellingham, and he's just got, he just, he's just got so much in his locker. He reminds me of Gerard, like he can do. He's like an eight, nine out of ten in in in, in multiple areas, um, and and that's the type of player you want. Someone who's box to box who can do could do lots of things. Um, that's that's the Liverpool dream. Find the Steven Gerrard replacement. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we've been looking. We've been looking for the best part of six, seven years. I haven't found anyone. But do you remember? I thought it'd be Henderson. He's not. Oh, Henderson's a really good player in his own right. But as in, like, he's never going to. He's, no, he's... Henderson's a good player. He's a leader. Um, but yeah. I just don't think he has the same level of technical ability as Gerard had. He won, um, he's won more than Gerard. That's not funny. He has. <laughs> yeah, it just goes to show, right? Um, but then again, Henderson had. Henderson had uh, <laughs> he had Klopp and he had a he had a phenomenal team around. Him. <laughs> 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 on that note, I think it's a good night to uh, to wrap it up. But yeah, thanks guys uh, for being on. Do appreciate it, uh, Ash Saf, and also Josh as well. Great to have you on. Yeah, uh, of course, uh, do check out Josh actually on Twitter as well. Uh, I'm sure you can see some of his country on there, and I'm sure you'll hear him on BBC. Or, uh, or talk sport and uh, if you want to hear myself Ash and sophomore then you can just subscribe to the channel and follow us on the podcast you can hear us on there because we're not on these are the, these are the airwaves that we're on at the moment um, but yeah I really do appreciate it guys if you're listening on a podcast platform then obviously do leave a review uh, rate the, the podcast as well if you don't mind it does help us out and if you're on YouTube like subscribe leave a comment as well let us know your thoughts as well on uh, well you think it's going to win Champions League semi-finals and of course the race for top four and all the other topics, whatever you like. Uh thanks very much guys. Stay safe and well and we'll see you on the next video.